Hey everyone, welcome back to the Formula One-on-One podcast. My name is Justin, and unfortunately, I am flying solo today. Sashwa is in Atlanta right now at a conference, so while he was able to watch the race, he is sadly not able to record with me. Now, I have done an episode solo before, so this is nothing new. I hope you guys aren't too disappointed, but, you know, the French GP just happened. Lots of stuff went down. Pretty disastrous from some teams, pretty great from others, so the next 45 minutes or so, we will be covering all the ups and downs of the French Grand Prix. Now, before we get started, I'd like to let everyone know that I have prepared absolutely no notes for today's episode. Most of the time, Sashvat types them up, and I'm I'm lazy, you know, he carries the, the bulk of the weight of this podcast, and we have a good amount of notes to go off of and structure the episodes, but... I really do think that I can do this without any of that. So without further ado, we can start off these episodes as we always do with the updated World Constructors and World Drivers Championships. So Max Verstappen wins the race and he is way clear of Charles Leclerc now, 66 points ahead of 233 to Charles' 170 after his DNF. Checo's only seven points behind Charles at 163, Carlos at 144, George just one point behind at 143, Lewis Hamilton catching up to him with 127, Esteban Ocon in P8 with 56, Valtteri Bottas 46 points, and rounding out the top 10 is Fernando Alonso uh, with 22 points. I also just realized I completely skipped over Lando Norris, who is in P7 with 70 points. In the Constructors' Championship, Red Bull take a pretty massive lead over Ferrari at this point, 396 to 314. With Mercedes catching up, they're only 44 points behind. Still we rise, you know. Mercedes, Lewis Hamilton, number of points behind Ferrari uh, at 270. Then Alpine pulls ahead of McLaren, 93 points to McLaren's 89. So going into the summer break, things could get dicey over in the McLaren headquarters. Alfa Romeo, 51. Haas staying strong at 34. Alpha Tari at 27, uh, Aston Martin at 19, and then Williams as always with three points in P10. So a little bit of a shakeup in the standings. Alpine now not tied with McLaren anymore. And I, I'd just like to say that Sashwat absolutely nailed the predictions this week. Like, I'm pretty sure he got pole sitter. He got race winner. He got if Alpine would clear McLaren or not. So I don't even have the points updates for this episode. So if you guys are looking forward to that, you can just check out the Instagram because I'm going to add them up after the episode. But it's pretty safe to say that Sashwat is gaining a very good amount of points on me at this point, which is definitely disappointing given that I was only one point behind. But hey, we got hungry, then a nice summer break, and then I'll come back in Spa, Netherlands, Monza, Singapore, and Suzuka. Then we'll be at Coda. So you know, that's where I'm going to make up my ground. I do like a good underdog story, which is which is why I'm not getting any points. I'm intentionally picking wrong so that it's more impressive at the end. But the French GP, I mean, let's let's just talk about this because it was I I think for the first 20 laps of this race, I was like, this is going to be extremely boring, right? Not much happened. And then obviously, Charles kind of DNF'd, and we'll get a little bit more into that. But before we do, let's talk about Quali. I mean, Quali was nothing special. As I mentioned, Sashwa predicted it right. Charles was on pole. I mean, that car looked absolutely amazing out there, which I feel like has almost been the story of the season, right? 
the Ferraris just look really, really good during qualifying, and obviously it's not translating to the race as well, which is kind of worrying because you don't want to let Max or Checo get comfortable not having to really try for pole. Like, God forbid they aren't able to. They, they're able to just destroy them later in the race, whether it be reliability or Charles or Carlos making a mistake or Ferrari absolutely getting, like, owned by their own pit wall. So it's pretty brutal. Then rounding out the rest of the top 10 is Max, Checo, Lewis, Lando, George, Fernando, Yuki, Carlos, and then Kevin. But obviously Carlos and Kevin both had grid penalties. So they were sent to the back. So on the grid, P9 was Daniel Ricardo and P10 was Esteban Ocon. I have to say one of the most disappointing parts of qualifying for me was Pierre Gasly out in Q1. I mean, he was P16, which is really, really bad. I mean, Yuki qualified P8 and Pierre qualified P16. And I, I know we talk a lot about teammate difference and we talk about it a lot with Daniel and Lando, which wasn't as noticeable this week as it was in prior weeks. But with Pierre and Yuki, it's very interesting in the fact that Pierre has kind of, I feel like, not a mentor role, but he definitely has much more experience than Yuki has. Obviously, this is only Yuki's second season, but he's already way out qualifying. I mean, Yuki was all the way into Q3, and um, obviously, out of the drivers who set his time in Q3, he was the worst, but every car ahead of him was just objectively much better. So it makes sense that he qualified there, but getting to Q3 on its own was obviously a huge feat, and it didn't translate well into the race. As you know, he retired, so pretty disappointing for him there but yeah Pierre in his home race not even getting out of Q1 that's really worrying I think for AlphaTauri because Pierre last year I mean he was great in quality we called him P6 King for a reason he just was the best of the rest and this season I just feel like he's not really showing that same pace that he had before I mean him and Lance Stroll qualified with the exact same time a 133 439 and Lance Stroll's in a heavily underperforming Aston Martin. And if you look at some of the cars that out-qualified Pierre, I mean, Seb in the Aston Martin, Alex Albon in the Williams, that's teams that you should be able to beat. I mean, I know the AlphaTauri is not as fast as it used to be, but the AlphaTauri is definitely faster than those cars. So in your home race, you have to, like, I'm sorry, I don't care if this is, like, a bad opinion, but in your home race, you just have to be better than everyone else. You have to know the track better than everyone else. I don't care if you didn't drive on it as much as other drivers have. Like, it's your home race. Get in the sim and learn it, you know? But as for the race itself, like I mentioned, Carlos Sainz started from the back. Kevin Magnussen started P20. So I was very curious to see how that opening lap was going to go. And Carlos played it kind of conservatively, right? He only got up to P18 by the end of lap one. And there was no major incidents on the first lap, which was nice to see. I feel like it's maybe I just have like recency bias, but I feel like we haven't seen a clean lap one in quite some time. So it was kind of nice seeing no safety car, no red flags, just a good lap of racing. But Kevin Magnuson was up in a P13 after that first after that first lap. So he he played that very, very well. Um, anything else from the start that's important? I think Daniel Ricardo was absolutely spot on in one of his interviews yesterday after qualifying he was like he qualified what p11 with k mag carlos and yuki ahead of him so he's like all right carlos and kevin are uh sent to the back so those are freebies and then yuki's not good at start so that'll be p8 and then i'll catch up to alonzo and 
I was like, wow, that's very tongue in cheek. I quite literally texted that this is very tongue in cheek to some of my friends. And I am sad to say that he was actually exactly right. He absolutely dusted Yuki on the start and caught up to Lando. Actually, I was very confused by like turn three, the two papaya orange cars were right next to each other. And obviously that's due to Lando dropping a few places, but good on Daniel Ricardo. I mean, that was definitely probably one of his best starts of the season. And I'd say I'd, I'd say this is probably one of his best races of the season. He finished P9, which, you know, he hasn't been finishing in the points too often. So getting up there is definitely key, especially with Lando only finishing two places higher than him. But for the most part, those first 20 laps, it was uh, the the footage was all focused on Max and Charles, and they were just going at it in the front of the pack. I mean, they cleared, I think, Lewis Hamilton by six or seven seconds, like six or seven laps in. And obviously, Checo got dusted by Lewis in that first first turn, which is unfortunate because I think having Lewis and Max being able to maybe help each other out behind Charles would have helped Max a little bit earlier on in the race. But obviously, you can't always rely on that. But yeah, a lot of that coverage in the beginning was focused on Charles and Max. And we saw the heavy, heavy difference in where those cars were performing. Max was gaining like seven, eight tenths on the Mistral straight. It was just truly observed. It was truly absurd. I mean, we know that they were running a setup with a lot less downforce, but I didn't realize that it was going to help them that much on the straights. Like they were absolutely flying. And then the Ferraris were just brutalizing every single person in the corners. Their downforce was super high and they were taking these corners at pretty crazy speeds. You would see that like if Max was right up against Charles's gearbox and they were about to go around a corner, like Charles just pulled ahead. It was, it was absolutely insane. But as we know, I think it was what, like lap 23, lap 24. I think Charles is actually coming off the Mistral straight and his rear just kind of kicks out a little bit. Maybe he got on the throttle too early. Maybe his back tires were, I guess, like sliding out. I'm not exactly sure what happened, but he ends up going straight into the wall and just kills his race. I mean, the car couldn't be recovered at that point there. I mean, we talked so much on the formation lap about like how this track is really cool because you can go off track and then still recover the car and stuff. But he slid over the one of the logos. I think it may have been the green Aramco logo, which is kind of ironic if the Aramco logo is green, if we're just being honest here. But Charles slid onto that and then his car car was not able to stop in time in order to rejoin the track and he was out of the race and we heard one of the most brutal and just like oh god what even is a good word for it just a gut-wrenching scream from Charles he's just so frustrated and I have to feel bad for him at this point but I feel like that was not even a Ferrari mistake. That just looked like Charles didn't know the car well enough. And, you know, I can sit here behind my desk and talk about how maybe Charles didn't know how to drive the car. And I obviously don't know how to drive these cars either. So I'm not exactly sure what happened. And I'm sure we'll get more. Um, I'm sure we'll get more information on this. But it looks like it was actually lap 17, not 23 that he was out on. So I feel for him. And it pretty much gifted Max the win after that. And there was a virtual safety car and Max had already pitted by that point, but he was clear enough ahead of everyone else that the virtual safety car didn't allow anyone to catch up to him. 
And I thought there could have been maybe a race between him and Lewis, but the Red Bull is just much, much faster than the Mercedes, especially the way Max drives it. It feels like it's catered to him perfectly. And there's obviously the Checo and George battle at the very end that we're going to touch on when we get a little bit later into the race. But I think Ferrari needs to do some soul searching. They need to go on like a little retreat to a mountain, maybe have some tea, no Wi-Fi, just talk it out with each other, maybe pave a track up there so they can learn to drive their cars a little bit better. But I am genuinely worried for them as a constructor right now because for the longest time we were like, oh, Charles V. Max. And then we're like, okay, that's probably not happening. Okay, Red Bull versus Ferrari. And now Ferrari is only 44 points ahead of Mercedes. And I think that's an extremely worrying thing if you're a Ferrari fan, if you're Italian, if you're a Charles Leclerc fan, if you're a Carlos Sainz fan, that you have this car that is so, so much better than the Mercedes, in my opinion. I think the pace difference is like three-tenths a lap or something like that. It's just something truly absurd. And you just don't have reliability in any aspect. It's not even like reliability of the cars at this point, right? Because... When you talk about reliability of the cars, you look at Austria and how Carlos Sainz's car just like caught on fire. You look at Imola, well, no, not even Imola. Imola was the driver's fault. But that's what I'm talking about. There's just no reliability anywhere. I mean, Carlos and Charles have both made their fair share of mistakes this year. And that is really, really hurting the team. I truly don't know how to express that in a way other than it's just killing Ferrari. And obviously... One of the things that Lewis Hamilton said after Bahrain this year, reliability is so important, but I think Lewis Hamilton was talking about cars, you know, when you have two drivers who are crashing out like Charles today, Charles um, going down in Imola to P8 after like spinning out or P6, uh, Carlos spinning out at Imola, uh, I think, and then Australia, like there's just too many moments of this season where you're like, oh man, Ferrari messed up. Or, you know, Monaco when Charles didn't get the win. It, there's just so many moments that you can point at this season and be like, oh yeah, let's like just pick a, any race and I can tell you something that Ferrari did bad. That's what it feels like most of the time. And I don't really know if that's indicative of like some team issues or if it's just the car having issues. But since it's like so all around, it's like there's not a clear fix, right? Because if there's a clear fix, it would have been taken by now. But because there's so many different things going wrong, it's just damage control at every single corner. And I don't want to keep harping on this because obviously like you can't kick someone while they're down, even though that's what we do on this podcast every single week. But they just need to get it together for Hungary. And I'm hoping that come the summer break, they're able to really figure some stuff out and again have that soul searching. But until that point, I, I really don't know what they're going to do. Now, Max, we didn't really follow this race at all. I mean, he was like seven or eight seconds ahead of Lewis and Lewis obviously didn't have the pace to catch him up, catch up to him. Not because Lewis like wasn't fast enough. It's just the Red Bull was going to kill the Mercedes today one way or, or another. I think the real best battle of today well, I would have said Checo and George Russell because towards the end of the race, right, you see Checo kind of take that one corner and then George Russell runs him off and George Russell thinks it's Checo's fault and Checo thinks it's George Russell's fault. And 
that's just how drivers are, right? They're going to argue with each other. And I'm not going to make any kind of t- decision on whose fault I think it was because I haven't watched enough times to really make that uh, judgment yet. But obviously, I'm going to side with Checo because I'm a Red Bull fan. So why would I ever pick the Merc driver as the one who I think is in the right? But that VSC at the end, when I think, was it Latifi or Zhou Guan Yu maybe? I think it was Zhou Guan Yu caused the virtual safety car towards the end of the race around like lap 47. And Checo was caught sleeping. He was ahead of George Russell. The VSC ends and George Russell just like passes him. I don't know what Checo was doing there, but after that, there's only like, what, two or three laps left and Checo couldn't catch up to him and... He probably would have been on the podium had he not just been like taking a small little snooze there. So that's on Checo. I don't think that's indicative of George Russell being like a much better driver. I think it's George Russell having much better racing instinct in that moment. And Checo just kind of, again, just falling asleep. I don't really know what he was doing. I feel like one of the things we didn't see as much in this was the midfield battles, right? Like, we didn't see too much of the McLarens. We didn't see too much of the Alpines, which was kind of disappointing, right? Because it's their home race, and they did pretty well. I mean, they outscored the McLarens, which allowed them up into P4 in the Constructors' Championship. So, you know what? I'll say it. Good job, Alpine. Fernando Alonso, insane drive again. I don't know why he decides to do this, but one of our good friends, Gabby, was like, he just gets into a position that he's content with, like, you know, P6, and then he just stops trying to catch up and backs up the rest of the pass, uh, the rest of the pack. It's not like he's going for any more places, and he's just going to defend hard and then take his place, which obviously it seems to be working for him, so I don't know if I should, like, get mad at him for it, but it is very weird that he does that, like, pretty consistently. I feel like we see it all the time, but hey, hey, if it works for him, then it works for him. That's how F1 works. Everyone else needs to get over it. Who else? Who else is important in this race? I feel like Alex Albon, I kind of was like, I kept glancing down because he was in P11 for a while. And I was like, dang, are we finally going to get to see Williams points? Because, you know, whenever I do my constructors championship standings, I get to say, as always, Williams with three points. But I really want Williams to get their fourth point. But sadly, he wasn't able to do it today. And then Nicholas Latifi, you can rely on him just as much as you can, I guess, rely on Ferrari at this point. So I don't really know what he's doing in F1, but Hey, at least, at least he gets to have fun. You know, when, you know, when, when I look at Nicholas Latifi, what I see is one of us, one of the fans who gets to live out their dream and drive an F1 car. We don't, we have enough money that it doesn't matter if we're good or not. We just get to experience it and we get to cause havoc in the races and we get to cause, accidents and damage and you know at the end of the day that just makes it a little bit more exciting um one of the teams i feel really sad for this weekend has to be haas because they pit right before the vsc like not right before but a good like five six seven laps before and so they didn't get their free stop uh like everyone else did and they kind of just screwed themselves at that point and then Mick got hit by uh, Latifi at one point, which just screwed his race. And I don't even know what happened with Kevin, but he ended up retiring. And it was just a brutal weekend for them after their, I'd say, really successful weekend at Austria. So hopefully they can bounce back in Hungary. I'm not too worried about it. It it felt like the race was really just out of their control. It wasn't like Ferrari where they were just blatantly making mistakes. 
left and right, but Haas just kind of got screwed over by every variable that could have gone one way or another. Speaking of mistakes, let's talk about the Ferrari pit wall one more time. Carlos Sainz, at the end of the race, was battling with Checo. And in the middle of this battle, the pit wall goes, box. They they tell him to box while he is battling someone else. Now, I'm not, I'm not uh, someone who's been into motorsport all my life. You know, I only got into F1 in my late teens, and now I'm 20, so only a few years at this point. And I've never raced go-karts. I've never done race strategy. I haven't taken classes on how to be a good pit wall person. But to my understanding, if you're currently battling someone on the track, why would you go into the pits? You can't do it. And it's not even like they have a time delay where it's like, oh, we don't think he's battling him right now. They have live feed. They know where he is. They know what he's doing. What is the Ferrari pit wall doing? Like, you know, you know the one meme, right? Where it's like all the little Pepe frogs with like clown makeup and clown wigs and stuff. And it's on the Ferrari pit wall. That's like not even a joke anymore. I see that. And that's genuinely just like how I feel the Ferrari pit wall is. Sometimes I actually think they're actively trying to harm their drivers just to impress the Italian people. Like, look, we can screw up so bad. And Carlos Sainz is still in P5. And you know, he ended up boxing at the end of the race for new mediums and he ended up getting back up into P5, which was really weird because I thought for the longest time he was like 12 or 13 sec- seconds behind Fernando, but I don't even know how he passed him because the coverage didn't show up. But hey, good for him getting up into P5. I mean, I think he had one of the best drives out of anyone today. And obviously, starting from the back is always difficult. And you can look at some of the best drives from the back, Checo and Sakir. Lewis and Interlagos, and I feel like this isn't as great as those, but this definitely falls into the category of just really good drive from someone who, if they like, if he finished outside of the points, you could have just chalked it up to, oh, well, you know, he started at the back, he kind of got screwed over a lot, but hey, he ended up pushing forward, getting P5, securing them some points, which I think is super important for Ferrari right now if they want to stay ahead of Mercedes, because hey, Mercedes with the double podium today. I mean, obviously, Lewis Hamilton just absolutely on form right now. What's that? Four podiums in a row and now up to P2. This is his highest uh, finish yet. I think in the formation lap episode, Sashua asked me if P3 was the ceiling for McLaren. I'm not McLaren. Mercedes. And I said, absolutely not, right? Mercedes is, they're dogs. They got that dog in them. Like, actually, though, Lewis Hamilton just is so good. It's truly unbelievable how good he is. Like, obviously, we didn't get to see him race that much today, but the fact is he was able to stay in P2 and no one really even stood a chance against him. And obviously, he didn't really have many people fighting him, but George Russell as well in that Mercedes, able to pass Checo with like two or three laps to go and is securing that double podium. They have more points than any other constructor this weekend, I believe, right? Because, let's see, that's 37 points for Red Bull because they got P1, P4, and then I think it's, oh wait, no, yeah, and then it's only 33 points for P2 and P3, so actually Red Bull did score more points than Mercedes, but hey, 33 points to Ferrari's 11, a 22-point swing in the favor of Mercedes versus Ferrari, that's going to be huge every single time it happens, and if that happens like two more times in a row, then they're tied, and with 
Ferrari's track record at this point, I wouldn't even be surprised. I feel like there was something else I wanted to mention about the race. Oh, um, good job, Lance Stroll. You scored the points. Oh, that's what I was going to say. I said I thought Checo and George was going to be the best battle, which it probably still was. But those last lap shenanigans between the two Aston Martins was truly absurd. I mean, Seb was really fighting for the points there. And I feel like Lance kind of cut him off on that last turn. Like he did not leave enough space for Seb to get through, but I think Lance was entitled to the line anyway, so it didn't really matter, but that was some really great racing at the end. And I think they even touched a little bit, but congrats to Aston Martin for scoring some points, especially over the likes of, you know, the Haas the Alfa Romeos, um, Pierre Gasly's Alfa Tari. It's definitely good to see Aston Martin up into the points. I don't think they're going to be able to push themselves up into P8. I think P9 is probably where they're going to be unless AlphaTauri just really doesn't do anything the rest of the season. But with Yuki on pretty good form, I would say, uh, oh, wait, now that I'm looking at it, Yuki has not scored a single point. Am I reading this right? No, 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 this can't be right. Wait, okay, guys, we're doing a live Google right now because I, I'm looking at the 2022 F1 World Championship um, Wikipedia page. And according to this, Bahrain, he retired. He retired in for Wait, hold on. How did I never notice this before? Guys, this is breaking news. Um, not breaking for anyone who like actually keeps up with uh, the... Am I like stupid? No, Yuki has 11 points. What am I talking about? Okay, this Wikipedia page is way off. I don't even know what it's talking about. For some reason, it says Yuki has no points on this Wikipedia page. Guys, if you ever need a reason to use Wikipedia, make sure it's facts are right. That's why whenever something looks questionable, just Google it on your own. Um, and obviously, this doesn't apply to anything medical. I think, you know, people who do their own research on that have their own little special opinions, but hey, okay, wait, I see what they did now, they accidentally swapped, like, Yuki's, uh, form with Seb's form, which is kind of stupid, I don't know how they messed that up, okay, guys, mystery solved, I'm sorry about that whole little spiel, I just, it's been a long day, I, you know, I had to wake up, and actually, yeah, that should, yeah, you know, you know how it is, you got, you listeners know how it is having to wake up, it's pretty brutal sometimes, but yeah, like I was saying, Aston Martin with 19 points now, they're only eight points behind AlphaTauri, which is pretty impressive. I think they could catch up to them with like really good form. But most of the time, these Aston Martin points have been like really, really, I don't know, lucky. Um, But going back to Yuki, he hasn't scored in six races now because his last points were in Spain. He was P10 there. But since then, Monaco P17, Baku P13. Montreal, he uh, DNF'd, uh, then Silverstone, P12, Austria, P16, and then he retired today in France. Um, it's very disappointing to see him there. I think that one of the most difficult things for drivers, probably like having this really long streak of not scoring, because it, it has to be just like killer when other people around you, like in similar cars, are able to score. I mean, Pierre's done like not too well either. He got the P5 in Baku. And then since then, he's done nothing. But I I truly don't know what AlphaTauri needs to do at this point. Obviously, their car isn't very competitive. And they aren't really having the greatest year. But hopefully, they can keep their P8. Because if they can't, that's going to 
be really embarrassing for them. And I think Haas definitely has a chance to maintain P7 with their seven points clear of AlphaTauri. But with the way the cars are performing, I think the Haas is way better right now. And honestly, Haas being only 17 points behind Alfa Romeo isn't too much of a stretch. Obviously, with like these lower field teams, like 17 points is a lot bigger than we think it is because we're like, oh, P1 is 25 points. All they have to do is win a race, Um, which if Haas wins the race, then I think... We'll have a lot more to talk about anyway, but that's all I have to say about the constructor standings, the race, the quality. We can get into some of our segments, which I also didn't prepare, but hey, that's the fun of doing a solo episode, you know? It's just, it's very fulfilling being able to talk to yourself for hopefully around 45 minutes and having to make everything up on the fly. Sashwa, don't get mad that I didn't prepare anything. I promise this episode is really good. All right, weekend podium, P3, I want to give to Lance Stroll because his team radio was really funny when he was like, stop, stop, stop talking, stop talking, and he able, he was able to secure a point. And for Aston Martins, we have, to, we have to throw them a little treat every time they score a point because, you know, they score their little points and we give them little rewards because the car's not good, so when they do good, I'm happy for them. That's actually Lance's fourth point of the year. Every single one of his points has come from a P10, which I think is pretty interesting. It was at Imola, Miami, Canada, and now France. So good for him. He's, you know, he's doing pretty well, I'd say, for someone who's in a card that that is that bad. P2, I think, I don't know who I want to give it to here. I think P2, I'm going to go with the Mercedes. Uh, just the team overall, they had an absolutely killer weekend. I didn't think they were as good as I thought they were going to be with their upgrades, especially during quality. I didn't think that that car was like as fast as I thought it was as it could be with a Mercedes upgrade package. But hey, double podium is way more than enough in most cases. And I think that Mercedes is looking at Ferrari right now, no longer as someone who they can't catch, but as someone who very realistically could drop a few more DNFs this season and then just like absolutely get screwed. Because if you look at it, let's count how many retirements uh, the Mercedes have versus the Ferrari. So Carlos has four DNFs. Charles has three. Uh, Lewis does not have a single one and he only had one non-points finish. And then Russell only had one DNF and then he's been P5 or higher every single race he's been in. So I feel like that's almost the story of the year, right? Like George Russell has been absolutely killer this year. He, when he finishes the race, he finishes top five. And when you're a team that's fighting for P2 in the World Constructor Championship, you can't really ask for much more than that. So if Lewis can continue his form of podiums and George Russell keeps placing top five, I don't know. Things are going to get dicey up there. I think Red Bull has pretty much secured the World Constructor Championship, barring like some very, very bad results. But the real, real battle now is Ferrari Mercedes. And I don't really know who I want to root for at this point. I just think as like a neutral fan between those, it's going to be very interesting to watch. P1 for the weekend has to go to Carlos Sainz. He started in P19 and he ended up finishing the race in P5. And I feel like a lot of that came due to him and not the pit wall. Like, you heard them asking him to, uh, I guess, stay out. And he was like, I want a box. And it was this whole little thing. But Carlos really held his own today. I mean, he made his way up the pack at a decent pace. And I think it just really helped maybe maybe his like morale a little bit. Because I didn't, 
I didn't think Carlos was going to do that good. I thought maybe he'd get up to the points like P9, P10 maybe. But hey, getting up to P5 and finishing only behind the Red Bulls and the Mercedes, that's absolutely what your team needs when Charles just forgets how to drive his car for a little bit. Looking to the future, I think anything above like P6 and above is going to be a success for Carlos, which like I hate saying that, but like with how good the Mercs are at this point, I feel like maybe maybe like in the same way that Checo has fights with um Carlos the, the Mercs are going to have fights up there with them as well. So I think we could see like a pack of the two Mercedes and then the lower Red Bull, lower Ferrari driver in the future, which obviously if you have two horses in that battle, well, you only have one horse in that battle, but um, when you have two cars in a battle of four cars, it definitely makes it a lot easier on you. <sighs> so that's our weekend podium. My driver of the day, I mean, I he was P1 on the weekend podium. He has to get driver of the day. Carlos signs. Again, just like a really good drive out of him. And I think that in the beginning of the season and even some recent races, I kind of was discounting his ability a little bit just because he couldn't he couldn't put up with the likes of Charles and Max. And obviously he has the same machinery as Charles, but like same thing with Checo. But obviously with his retirement and his own personal mistakes that caused him to get out of races, I was kind of worried about him, but... Uh, this was just a really great race, especially after the DNF in Austria, which clearly was not his fault. It, It's nice, you know? he, I think he does deserve driver of the day in everyone's book. And if I wasn't to give it to him, I don't really know who I would have given it to. Maybe Lewis, just because like, he held his own up front and no one really came close to him. But definitely my driver of the day. I don't really know if I'm like forgetting any other segments. I know most of the time we go over the standings for our formation lab predictions and like I said Sasha just killed me this week like I'm gonna grab some lunch after I edit this episode and upload it and then they'll be on the Instagram hopefully within like the next hour and a half or so but if it's not don't worry it'll be up there eventually I promise um I don't know if I have like too much more to say I think these solo episodes are kind of difficult sometimes because you don't really have too much to talk about right because you don't really have any conversation going but I'm really glad that if you've listened to this episode you've made it this far only listening to me oh how could I forget one of my favorite segments pick up the pace Ooh, who do I want to give that to this weekend um oh I want to give it to Pierre it's your home race you got to be better I know I already covered it a little bit but Pierre just was not good this weekend out in Q1 he only ended up finishing, what, he P12 out of the points. Your parents are watching you. Come on, man. You got to be better than that. You just have to be, especially when Yuki is qualifying P8. And obviously, nightmare weekend for AlphaTauri because Yuki also just straight up did not finish the race. But hopefully, they're another one of those teams that can just look forward to Hungary and kind of keep moving forward and trying to catch up to Haas. But as a Haas bandwagon fan, I hope that does not happen. But without further ado, I know this episode was kind of short. We normally have like our our checkered flag episodes be like 45 minutes. But without anyone here, it gets hard to kind of really dig in and analyze stuff. But I'm sure at Hungry next weekend, me and Sashwater are going to put together a killer episode for you. I mean, we're going to have one this upcoming Thursday for the formation lap. I'm super excited for it. Hungry has turned into one of my favorite tracks and Hungry was 
I think the first race that me and Sashwa actually sat down and watched together with like all our friends last year. And obviously Hungary was pretty dope last year. It was an Esteban Ocon victory. And I really hope we get one of those like crazy victories again. Like even a Mercedes winning would be super, super cool to me just because it's all been Ferrari Red Bull this year. And I kind of just want to see someone else win it. You know, if it's not going to be Max, it could be, I don't know. I kind of want to see a Lewis win again. Which feels really weird to say. Like, I hope it's Lewis because it's cool when he wins because he's probably the greatest F1 driver of all time. But, hey, we'll see. You never know what can happen in Hungary. You never know what could happen anywhere. Hopefully it rains a little bit. You knock out, like, four or five cars into turn one just like last year, and boom, you have some crazy, crazy uh, victory from one of the teams. Without further ado, thank you, as always, for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, please rate us five stars on whatever listening platform you're listening to us on. Follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at F111Pod. And we will see you this upcoming Thursday for the Hungry GP Formation Lap episode. And obviously, check our Instagram if you want to see the updated standings. Uh, is this just me trying to extra promote our Instagram? Maybe. But hey, I don't mind a little bit selfless promo, but thank you always for listening. And I will see you guys then. Peace. Peace.